What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian. I'm Joe and Nick. What's going on, guys? All right, so this is like the first week where all sports are really happening. So let's start with football, and then we'll get going. Yeah, absolutely. Brian is right. It is absolutely jam-packed with sports. Uh, pretty good week so far in terms of sports. So getting into it, we have the NFL up first. Uh, biggest news story of the week, I would say, is all the opt-outs that are currently happening. Um, uh, I, You know, I myriad of opt-outs you know notably i'm gonna go run through them um so first of all with the patriots we had marcus cannon uh the guard longtime guard for the patriots as well as not the high tower a longtime linebacker for the patriots they both opted out of the 2020 season uh, ultimately you know this is gonna be a pretty big loss for the patriots after losing tom brady losing high tower as a leader of their defense and marcus cannon who is probably the last remaining talent on their offensive line um it's gonna be a pretty rough season for the uh, so I think it'll be a lot harder for Cam, a lot harder for Belichick. But, uh, you know, ultimately, as well, I think it's important to note that if Belichick is able to succeed with a roster like this, without Brady, without Gronk, without um, without Chung, w- without Hightower, w- without Mark Cannon, et cetera, et cetera, it's going to be pretty incredible. If he can even put a winning season together with this type of team, I think that's pretty impressive. But knowing Belichick, you know, I have faith that they'll make the playoffs, which is incredible with that type of team. So, um, you know, it's just it's really putting a testament to Belichick's legacy and how good can he be. Um, moving forward, you had Eddie Goldman, safety for the Bears. Uh, rather than Eddie Goldman, uh, I'm thinking of somebody else. Uh, the tackle for the Bears, rather. Um, he opted out of the 2020 season. Um, you know, he's been a pretty key part of that Bears defense for a couple of years now, so it's kind of big um, to lose out on him. Uh, the Giants lost Nate Soldier to opt out, which I'm pretty happy about because he stinks. Abs- highest paid lineman in the NFL, and he's just absolutely awful. Um, and they weren't going to have him at left tackle this year, but because uh, he drafted Andrew Thomas. But I'm happy. I'm not, I'm not too sad he's gone. <laughs> um, hopefully, we can get rid of him as soon as possible. Um, moving on from there, uh, one of the last opt outs that we had so far this week, we had CJ Mosley opt out, who is a pretty good linebacker for the Jets. Uh, this came over from the Ravens of free agency last year. Uh, pretty is pretty vital part of the Jets defense. Um, you know, I expected him to take a step up this year in terms of talent. Um, and with the loss of Jamal Adams and the loss of uh, CJ Mosley, I'm sure the Jets defense is gonna, definitely going to have to uh, find its identity going forward. Uh, Brian, any comments on the loss of CJ Mosley? Yeah, I mean, it's just another blow to the to the Jets defense. I mean, starting uh, was it this week? Yeah, starting off the week with Jamal Adams and then that happening. The best player on their defense, I don't maybe Marcus May. I don't even, I can't even think of anyone else. But it's just a it's another blow to the defense. And I mean. I was looking forward to the season when they had everyone uh, because there was a chance that they could make the playoffs, especially with the Patriots downgrading. But now, I mean, the Jets are downgrading even more. So, Yeah, you know, when you think about that as well, it's if every team is downgrading because of losses to players and maybe it evens out, it kind of depends who opts out, who doesn't. That's true, but the Jets didn't start anywhere that great either. So. That's true. The Jets <laughs> were not starting anywhere that great. I mean, May's been pretty good solid for the Jets, yeah. but... He's nowhere near Jamal Adams or C.J. Mosley. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving forward from there, uh, next story of the week, you know, that's, that covers up all the opt-outs. You know, I'm sure as we move forward, players will continue to opt out. Um, you know, no huge names have opted out so far that are, like, crucial to the game. We'll see how it goes moving forward. Um, so from there, uh, DeAndre Baker, uh, quarterback for the Giants, I believe with uh, Diggs from 
it's the same as Diggs from I can't remember the exact name from the Seahawks corner. Or Seahawks, I see why not? I forget the Seahawks player. Uh, they they performed or possibly you know allegedly performed an, an armed robbery a couple months ago. And DeAndre Baker had, in particular, had returned to uh, had planned to return to training camp with the Giants uh, going forward. However, he was placed on the commissioner's exempt list essentially because of the arrest. And until it's fully investigated by the NFL, he is not allowed to return to the Giants' facilities. Um, you know, somewhat of a loss to the Giants. I didn't expect to have him this season anyway after the armed robbery. So, um, and he's, he was decent with the Giants last year. You know, he's pretty bad towards the start, but he started picking it up towards the end of the year. So hopefully. Um, when he gets comes off the exempt list at some point, if he's proven innocent, um, we'll have to see how he does going with the Giants. You know, I hope he, I hope he does well. Obviously, as a Giants fan, but we'll see. Uh, from there on, uh, going along with suspensions, we had Antonio Brown received an eight-game suspension for his antics over the past couple months. Um, and you know, eight, eight, right now it's eight games, and no matter if he signed or not, the eight games is going to take in, into effect. Um, however, he, he may he may f- face larger suspension based on more allegations because I think he still has rape or sexual assault allegations against him that the league hasn't thoroughly investigated. So they'll have to add on to suspension if that comes, you know, if that brings up anything uh, worth noting. Uh, so you know, Antonio Brown after eight games, it kind of hurts his ability to get signed because teams are iffy on him already. You know, they're not going to have him for the first eight games. You know, nobody's going to sign him until probably week eight or late. You know, why are they going to pay him for for him to sit suspended? You know, he's he's gone this long without being signed. So I'd imagine teams are still going to wait to sign him. Um, and, you know, he's retired and unretired. The guy, the guy's a mess. A uh, very talented football player. He's just, you know, in, in a locker room in the NFL, you want to have guys that are on the same page, that are there to win, the fo- win a football game. And Antonio Brown draws back from that, despite having all the talent that he does. Um, that's why teams are pretty hesitant to sign him, as well as the, the suspensions and all the bad PR that he brings. You know, it's just it's a nightmare for NFL teams to, to want to go ahead and sign despite his talent. So that's an eight-game suspension for him. And the last piece of major news for the NFL this week was uh, Joey Bosa. Uh, I think he's been in the end since 2016, number three overall pick in 2016 uh, for the Chargers. Uh, he signed a contract extension with the Chargers for five years, 135 million dollars. Uh, it's a huge sum of money in the NFL, and it goes to, it goes to say that you know I've said it in the past that pass rushers in the NFL come at a premium. Um, you're not going to get an elite pass rusher in the NFL unless you pay top dollar, because uh, you know it's a passing league and on defense. You know your edge rushers are probably the most important, in my opinion, you know the most important players on the defense. Um, next to maybe maybe a middle inside linebacker, um, you know that middle linebacker and your edge rushers really set the tone for a defense. Um, your ad rushers dictate how long it, the other team has to pass, which, again, in a passing league is so vital that, that you minimize that time. Um, and Joey Bosa definitely has provided that for the Chargers over the past couple of years. You know, he started off really hot his rookie year, and he's kind of simmered down. Still a decent player um, when you look at his stats over the years. I, But, you know, he's def- I wouldn't say he's the he's top, top tier Um in terms of pass rushers in the NFL, but he's still he's still up there, right? I would definitely say he's still borderline elite. Um, so, he, you know, when it, when you look at his stats, right, he had 11.5 sacks last year, uh, which was decent. Before that, he had 5.5. 2017, he had 12.5. And, and 2016, he had 10.5. So he's been, pretty, he's been pretty solid. Um, nothing game-breaking so far in terms of, you know, breaking records or anything like that. But Joe Bill is a pretty solid player, and, you know, locking him in for 
for that five years is a pretty solid deal for the Chargers. Uh, should make them pretty solid for a long time in terms of defense. Uh, you know, with them looking to rebuild with Herbert, it's important that they have the defense set as well. Uh, I think that wraps it up for the NFL. Brian, do you have any comments, questions, concerns? <laughs> no, I don't. All right, let's get into baseball. So there's going to be two very different rundowns between me and Nick, between the Mets and the Yankees. So let me start with the Mets. Just a terrible week for the Mets. I mean, I think last week they were 2-2 two and two or 3-3. Three and three. So average, I was pretty optimistic about the rest of the season. But this week has just been uh, terrible with the types of losses they've had. Multiple losses where they're up, they're up um, by a lot and then end up losing. It started back when the Mets were 2-1. and one, I th- No, 1-2. 2-1. Two, two no. 1-0, and Edwin Diaz gave up a home run to, Edwin D- to Marcelo Zuna to tie the game in the bottom of the ninth, and that was definitely a heartbreaking loss, uh, but it would get much worse as the season goes on, because just the other night, they were up by six runs, um, and ended up losing a game to the Braves 11-10, to I think it was in the bottom of the eighth. Then last night, they lost a game 7-1 to to the Braves. They lost two games against the Red Sox, where they had a lot of chances to win. Um, nothing's going well for them. Runners in scoring position has been a huge problem for them, getting those, getting those runners in. In the Red Sox series, I think they went 4-for-24 four with runners in scoring position, or that might have just been one game, which is a terrible stat. Uh, you're supposed to take advantage of that. It seems like when the Mets get like bases loaded, they tense up and can't do anything they can't even get a sack fly to score a run like a tying run even which is something you have to do and in a 60 game season where every game's worth more these games where that they're losing are going to be so important to the rest of their season and they're going to be games that when you look back and the Mets have to make a late game run a late season run these are the games that you can't lose and these are the games that you're going to look back on and be like we couldn't let those games go. Other than that, offensively, I'd say the only players that can actually do anything right now are Jeff McNeil, Michael Conforto, and Robinson Cano. Robinson Cano is definitely a surprise. I mean, he had a terrible season last year, but hopefully that continues for him. Michael Conforto's played really well. Jeff McNeil's played very well. But other than that, Pete Alonso, uh, I think he has one home run. So obviously not going well. I think he's buying 200 or under it after today's game. Ioannis Cespedes is currently missing in action. Uh, no one knows where he is. He didn't report to the game today, which is actually going on right now. Um, and he didn't report to the game. They tried to contact him. They couldn't contact him. So there's either two ways this can go. One of the ways I'm hoping is not that something's wrong with Cespedes and that's why they can't contact him. Or the other way is something that would be very Cespedes like is just completely go MIA and just not respond to anyone. I, I don't even know what to say to that because Cespedes, Cespedes is playing for a contract this year and to go missing like this, if it's actually something that he's just not there for, is something he can't do. Um, <laughs> the mess are just a mess right now. And... That's about it. They're losing 3 nothing right now in the bottom of the fourth. Live update. Um, but that's it for my Mets rundown. Nick, you can talk about the Yankees. 
All right, so the Yankees, uh, total opposite of the Mets. Unlike the Mets, where they're the bottom of their division, the Yankees are the number one team in baseball right now. Um, pretty incredible stuff happening over uh, at Yankee Stadium uh, in the Bronx. I guess not technically in the Bronx. They play everywhere right now. But, uh, you know, pretty incredible. I got to say, this team is one of the best hitting teams I've seen since probably, the t- I, you know, I haven't watched baseball that diligently in a few years. Uh, but the, again, with the with the elongated schedule, I just kind of lost interest, you know, having to watch every night. Um, but now it's kind of different, you know. Again, in just kind of my spiel on baseball right now, there's a game every night. Um, you know, they're playing six, seven days a week, which is pretty incredible. It must be pretty tiring on their bodies. It's it's, it's going to hit them at some point, I'd imagine. Um, but uh, you know, it's pretty incredible to see them play every night. And the fact that it's sixty games, as Ryan said, like you know, these these couple, you know, in a hundred sixty-two game season. The Yankees being six and one and the Mets being three and six is no big deal. Mm-hmm. But in the sixty game season, you know, that's that's worth almost like twenty games out of that one sixty two, so it means a lot more. Uh with that being said, the Yankees uh starting pitching has been pretty pretty good. Um Garrett Cole's obviously gonna do what Garrett Cole does. Um everyone's been pretty solid except I'd say except half. Uh half the Yankees went up I get I went up like five nothing and then what was it? I think it was the other night. Um Against the Orioles, they won. Yeah, it was against the Orioles. The Yankees went up five nothing in the first inning, and then he gave up a two run. They gave up a two run shot, um, and you know they almost came back and, and tied it right away, um, which was bad. Half got pulled right away, so half hasn't been the greatest um, in terms of hitting. Gary Sanchez has been in kind of a cold slump as well as Brett Gardner. But other than that, I mean, Aaron Judge has hit home runs in four consecutive nights. I want to say it's three, two, three nights in a row that the Yankees have had grand slams. And when I'm talking about grand slams, not not just getting walked onto these bases. The Yankees are, are putting together hits. They're making contact. They're putting singles together, getting getting all three guys on base, and then cleaning it up with with a grand slam, um, which was last night with Gio Urshela hitting one. Luke Voigt hit one. Um, you know, tons of home runs. Hitting is phenomenal. I want to say besides Gary Sanders and Brett Gardner. You know that most of the Yankees lineup is hitting 250 and up. Um, I think Stan's hitting above 400. Um, I forget who else. You know, this, this, a lot of the Yankees lineup is hitting like three to 400, which is which is pretty incredible. Um, you know, and that being said, you know, going off of that, um, which is one of the topics that I wanted to talk about still, which we, we kind of mentioned last week too, was that like hitting is just is incredible right now. You know, I'm looking at the batting averages of everybody, and they're a lot higher than normal. And I guess it's because the pitching isn't as, as good as it normally is. Um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of home runs being hit, a lot less contact, a lot of you know, there's not as many. Uh, I would say in in focus pitchers right now. Uh, even Garrett Cole, when he when he pitches, he seems like he doesn't have 100 percent control of the, where he wants the ball right now. Um, but he's still pitching very solid. Um, but I think that we'll see that change over time, as as we mentioned last week. You know, but the Yankees have just been incredible. Um, you know, leaf pitching's been pretty solid too. Uh, we just we did just lose uh, Tom Tom Canley uh, to Tommy John surgery, which is I say he's to him and Chad Green are probably our best relief pitchers, so it's kind of a tough loss for the Yankees. Um, but you know, we got Tanaka back yesterday. He pitched he pitched solid. He ended up giving two runs in the third inning, so they took him out. Um, but yeah, if you guys remember, Tanaka got hit in the head with the Stanton ball, the Stanton line drive, I uh, believe, in early July. And he just returned yesterday uh, to pitch against the Red Sox. Uh, but so far, obviously, Yankees doing very well. Number one team in baseball in terms of record. I think, you know, in terms of hitting and pitching combination, they're probably the best team in baseball right now. 
Um, hopefully they can keep it up. You know, at this rate, the Yankees could go 59-1. No, I'm just kidding. No, they can't. That's probably as possible. But I don't know. I could see the Yankees going like 50-10 and 10 at this rate if they can continue to play like they're playing. And 50-10 and 10 is very solid. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, they can't complain about the Yankees. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to say, I hate being like that pessimistic Mets fan. But when things are going this way, it's hard not to be. Because I know like the the um what everyone says about Mets fans they're always like pessimistic and one thing when you are a fan of a team like the Mets it's hard not to be but maybe I'll turn into an optimistic thing there are things to look forward to I mean Jacob DeGrom's having a really good season thus far um and players like uh Andres Jimenez who's a young player that should was supposed to be in double a this season if it was a regular season has come up and he was supposed to be a defensive replacement, but he's played good on both sides of the ball. So that's something to really look forward to. Um, I do see the Mets getting out of this spiral they're in right now. Um, and players like Pete Alonso and hopefully Cespedes returns at some point, turning it around. But right now, I mean, it's just not going well. But other than talking about the Mets and the Yankees, some other things I want to talk about. There's been a lot of interesting... Uh, Things going on in baseball. The first thing happened, I don't know when it was reported, but they instituted seven-inning doubleheaders to make up for games that are being missed from rain delays, but specifically um, because of the different outbreaks going on. Obviously, the Marlins and the Phillies had to had to pause some games, the Orioles as well. And now the Cardinals, um, who are going through their own little outbreak. I think there's one player and three people on the coaching staff or player personnel, something like that. Um, so they're going through their own outbreak and they're trying. One of the problems was how is baseball going to make up for these games that are going to be lost? And the way they're doing that is seven inning double headers. So obviously it's not nine innings and hopefully it keeps the players able to be as close to a regular nine inning game as possible, but fit it into a smaller situation. The way that I thought baseball might go about it before I even thought about the seven-inning doubleheaders was because this is all just like played by ear and trying to get through the season, I thought maybe at the end of the season they delay the playoffs a little bit and have like a week of these games where they it's like makeup games, but they're going this way and I it probably makes more sense. Either way, that's what they're doing. Um, I mentioned the Cardinals outbreak. I don't know any more updates besides the one player and three personnel. Um, but they're not playing, obviously. And in terms of the Marlins, they're actually looking to resume the season on Tuesday. I think it was reported today that it's the second day in a row with no positive test for coronavirus on the Marlins. And they started moving the players out of Philadelphia with like buses that they can sleep on. And there's still players back in Philadelphia, which they've been at since July 26th, I think. But they're starting to move them into wherever they're playing next, I'm guessing Miami. So that's good to see that they're going to be able to start playing and they're not going to have a 2 and one record anymore. Um, other than that, Joe Kelly threw at the Astros this week, which was fun to see. We did a POV on it. Joe Kelly, who's a relief pitcher for the Dodgers, um, wasn't on the Dodgers in 2017, which has been the whole thing because the, the Dodgers felt like the Astros took a World Series away from them. But, I mean, like anybody, Joe Kelly has his opinions on what the Astros did, and he's a pitcher, and pitchers specifically are mad at the Astros for basically cheating, or literally cheating. 
And so basically the situation went like this. Alex Bregman, he threw at Alex Bregman and Carlos Correa. Alex Bregman was on a 3-0 count. He threw at him, threw at his head. So it was head hunting, which is even worse, and walked him. Then Carlos Correa, he threw at him. I don't know the count, but ended up striking him out. And at, when he struck him out, he was walking out of the field and was, like, making faces at Carlos Correa and saying some comments, which was very interesting to see. The first situation where we really see a pitcher going at the Astros, obviously they've been hit, but this was, like, literally mocking them and everything everything like that. Joe Kelly ended up getting an eight-game suspension, which a lot of people are up in arms about because if you relate that to a regular 162-game season – He's getting more of a punishment than any of the Astros players did for actually cheating. I think the coach was his name. Whatever. The Dodgers uh, head coach got suspended for one game. Um, But just a kind of interesting situation. The first situation between Astros and a player. I don't know. Nick, do you have anything you want to say about that? Um, Yeah. You know, I think what Joe Kelly did isn't right, obviously. You shouldn't be headhunting. You shouldn't right. going for heads. You shouldn't even be throwing out a player, but, you know, throwing out the player, eh, that kind of deserve it. But definitely not headhunting. Headhunting could definitely leave somebody seriously injured. Um, with that being said, you know, at the end of the day, this is Rob Manfred's fault. Mm-hmm. The way he handled the Astros cheating scandal was was pretty poorly. Um, the fact that he, he offered 100% immunity to players that spoke up the truth about the, the scandal, it, it kind of put the MLB in a bad position. And as we spoke about it, you know, when it happened, I felt like it was a tough decision because they wanted to have the truth about the scandal out. They didn't want anybody lying or trying to cover anything up, so they they offered immunity. And I thought it was decent, but at the end of the day, would they have gotten that information without without giving the players immunity? Probably. With enough investigation, somebody would have cracked. Um, And the fact that that none of the Astros players got suspended or received any punishment, the players feel like they have to take it into their own hands and – and do what Drew Kelly did. And I, I think his suspension is a little bit long. As you said, it's kind of relevant to 20 games almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and the man, you know, he's he appealing it. I don't know if did, did his appeal get accepted or rejected. I, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I don't think they, I don't think they decided on his appeal yet. Um, with that being said, is Joe, Joe Kelly's a relief pitcher or a starting pitcher? Relief pitcher. He's a relief pitcher. Mm. I was going to say, if he's a starting pitcher, then, you know, he would, it's only a few games that he's missing because right. he'd been in the rotation, but. With him being a relief pitcher, which I, I thought he was, they're so just double checking there. Um, yeah, it's tough. Uh, it's, I don't think it's like an easy answer in that situation. Yeah, uh, but you know, Joe Kelly didn't handle it very professionally, and you know, neither did the Astros the past couple seasons. So, yeah, uh, bad situation. And I think it's perpetuated by how Rob Manfred handled the whole cheating scandal. The one, what I do want to say, I. Yeah, I think Rob Manfred totally handled it wrong. And I think what they messed up on was realizing what the repercussions of not giving anyone on the Astros mm-hmm. any suspension or anything like that. Because then you're left with, if someone throws at them, you're going to suspend the pitcher for throwing at cheaters and the cheaters didn't get anything done to them, which I think is basically the main problem right now. Um, and it's just a tough situation. I don't understand why it's an eight-game suspension for Joe Kelly. But headhunting's never right. I do understand throwing behind players and stuff like that. But, I mean, you could do something so bad if you hit them straight on the head. The last thing I want to talk about is Justin Verlander. He was uh, reported to be out for the season with Tommy John surgery, but it turns out... I don't know what the specific um, injury he has. Do you know? 
No, I don't. Yeah. I just know he's not out for the season. Yeah. Um, it he it was reported that he was going to be out for the season with Tommy John surgery, but then he went on Instagram or some social media saying, I don't know where that report comes from, and said that he has some injury, but it's definitely going to be a lengthy time off. I think, like, I don't even know. It's It could be half the season at least, um, so definitely not good for the Astros, but I wish I had the actual name of whatever it is. But Justin Verlander is out for a significant amount of time for the Astros, and that's a big blow to them. Obviously, Justin Verlander is a great pitching talent, and they already lost Garrett Cole. So the Astros have been in the news quite a lot this week. Uh, so that, that to me, like that's their karma. <laughs> Justin Verlander getting injured on his own, nobody nobody throwing at his head. You know, stuff like that. I believe karma is real, and the Astros will get what's coming to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so for you know, having... Having Joe Kelly throw at his head isn't really the karma that they deserve. It's going to come more like Joe Justin Verlander is going to get injured for a few months, or mm. uh, somebody will get coronavirus. You know, given I hope nobody nobody gets seriously injured by a coronavirus, or you know, something actually bad happening to the Astros players where they can't recover from it, like you know, having something bad happen with coronavirus. But you know, things like that that happen. Um. You know that the world will, will come back to bite you when you cheat. <laughs> yeah, uh, just the the term for it is a forearm strain. So he's going to be out for a significant amount of time. But let's go into basketball. The season's officially underway. How many games have they played? Like, do you know? Three games, four. I believe it, the basketball so far it's been like one or two games. Okay. that each team has played. Yeah. So basically, the storyline so far, there's been a lot of. Uh, kneeling a lot of not kneeling um i'm not really the biggest fan about how basketball has been handling it not in terms of specifically basketball but the players that aren't kneeling are getting like kind of ripped up on social media and ripped up by the media asking them a bunch of questions which is something nick had talked about with the politics and sports i don't really like that part of the situation that yeah, for me, like... it's just like it's not necessarily the players' fault, and the players can kneel and when not kneel, whatever they want yeah. to do. It's just like the media harps on the kneeling so much. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll they'll have an interview, a minute interview with the player. Maybe they'll ask him one question about the game, yeah. not about politics. And I just think, you know, like Jonathan Isaac in particular mm-hmm. stood for the anthem and didn't wear the Black Lives Matter T-shirt yesterday. And you know, I think he played. If I remember correctly, he played pretty solid during the game, and mm-hmm. the, the entire all that was in the media and all I could see between House of Highlights, sideline news sources, ESPN, Sports Center, it was nothing but him talking about why he didn't kneel. Yeah, you know, like why, why should that be the bigger story than you know the basketball game that just happened? <laughs> um, so you know, as Ray said, Brian, like you don't like how, how they're handling it, and I have to agree with you. Like it's 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 too much. Yeah, I don't I don't I mean I don't know what basketball could do to. Like, specifically the front offices in NBA, like, what they could do to stop that. I mean, I don't think you can tell the media not to ask them questions about it. Maybe you could encourage it. But uh, it's just kind of, like Nick said last week, taking away from the actual sport, which I'm not the biggest fan of. Um, But besides that, other things that happened, Thunder vs. Jazz finally was played last night, which was the first game that was suspended when coronavirus actually started and... Um, what's his face? Oh my god, why am I just forgetting these names? Oh, Rudy, Rudy Gobert. Gobert. Rudy Gobert was patient zero for coronavirus in basketball, and really patient zero for sports. 
And that was the game, Thunder vs. Jazz, that day. Rudy Gobert got uh, became positive for the coronavirus, and they had to shut down the whole season and shut down that game. And it finally started with kind of like a big marking point and maybe like a turn in the timeline of this year so far, finally getting back to the place where it all started and things like that. It was kind of, you know, all the players were talking about how the situation, how it's changed and everything like that. Um, the last thing I want to talk about, and then we can, oh, the Clippers and Lakers too, but uh, TJ Warren last night, who was a player for the Pacers, um, scored 53 points. This isn't really anything that big, but he was the fifth player in NBA history to hit nine threes and nine two-point field goals in a game, but really the 53 points. TJ Warren's no isn't like a big-name player, but he's, I think he's played in the league for six years now, and has been probably like a role player in 53 points, obviously. has a lot of points, so he definitely played well last night and got them the win over the Sixers. You want to talk about the Clippers and Lakers? Uh, sure. Just going off with TJ Warren. I forget what team he was on previously, but he got traded for cast considerations earlier this oh, yeah. earlier this year. And I remember he, he said something said something about that. Um, you know, it's kind of just, I guess it's a little disrespectful to get tra- you, you feel less of a person. You get traded for pretty much nothing like cash considerations. He was traded from the Suns to the Pacers for cash considerations. There you go. There you go. And the fact that he put up 53 points is kind of like his uh, screw you sons for yeah. trading me for nothing. Those types of um, things are nice to see. So uh, pretty interesting story there. Um, but just going off of like the, the Lakers, you know, I want to talk about Lakers and Clippers, but just to go over a few games that I thought were pretty interesting so far. Um, so the Jazz beat the Pelicans. This is Thursday's games. Um, the Clippers beat the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers beat the Clippers, which I'll get back to in a second. Um the Rockets have beat the Mavericks 153 to 149. Obviously, I was watching that game because it's the Rockets. Uh, pretty incredible game. The, the, the At halftime, the score was like 85 to 72 or something Jesus like Christ. that. Like, the, the amount of offense in that game was disgusting because the Rockets had PJ Tucker on like Boban Marjanovic and Porzingis, and they had hard on Porzingis most of the game. And it was just like they're just laying the ball over them. I'm like, we need to get a center out there. This is disgusting. But it's just the fact that like. The Rockets have such a high-powered offense that can shoot the three-ball and spread the floor so well in offense that it kind of makes up for their lack of defense. Yeah. Um, with that being said, James Harden is – people love to hate on James Harden for his defense. He's in the 92th percentile or 92nd percentile for post-defense in the NBA. He made – out of post shots, uh, I think Porzingis shot one for seven while he was on Harden, wow. which is, is pretty – because you know, James Harden's like 6'4", six, 6'5". Porzingis is like 7-3, so it shouldn't be that hard for Porzingis to nail that shot. Yeah. Um, but he was able to defend him off. Um, the Rockets were down, I believe, like 7 points with a minute left in this game in regular time. And the Rockets came back to tie it, and then they wound up winning in overtime. It was pretty incredible. Uh, Luka Doncic kind of ch- choked. Um, you know, even beyond that, I was pissed off with the Rockets' defense because I, I had pretty much the entire game was get, get Porzingis the ball let him work with the high disadvantage or was obviously hit the ball in Lucas hands and he'd run a pick and roll. And then he'd every single time he went into the lane, he'd Euro step and the Rockets would jump on the first step instead of waiting for him to Euro. Cause he Euroed every single time. He just got nothing but layups. And I was like, you know, it's coming. Just wait on it. <laughs> but I digress. Pretty interesting game there. Um, those bucks beat the Celtics one nineteen to one twelve, which is pretty, pretty good game there. Um, the Heat beat the Nuggets 125 to 105, which the Nuggets are a pretty solid team. So that was kind of interesting. Um, talking about that, the the Raptors kind of destroyed the Lakers last night, you know, 107 to 92. Kyle Lowry had a really good game. Um, 
Let me see. And then we have today's games, which I'm excited. The Rockets are playing tonight against the Bucks at 8.30. Should be a good game. Um, and I expect the Bucks to win, but I'm hoping my Rockets will. Um, but going back to Thursday night's games, we had the Lakers versus the Clippers. The Lakers wound up winning 103-101. to And the news stories that came out of that game, which were really interesting to me, was that the Lakers could never beat the Clippers in a seven-game series that the Lakers stand no chance against the Clippers. The Clippers have it in the bag, which was which is kind of interesting, the fact, because obviously when the Lakers play the Clippers, the Clippers expose a lot of the weaknesses of the Lakers, right? They're a little thin in terms of depth, um, in terms of talent depth. You know, it was a big drop-off once after you get past LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, but beyond that, obviously they lack a lot of guard talent, not a lot of guard talent on that team. But they're still a really good team. and To me, they're, they're still my favorites. As long as you got LeBron James in your team, you got to win a chance, uh, chance to win the championship. With that being said, I still don't understand how how that came about because the Lakers won the game. Mm-hmm. How could you say the Lakers can't win a seven game series if the Lakers won the game? Yeah, that it's not like they got blown out. I can understand maybe you think it might be closer than that, but to say the Lakers don't stand a chance in a seven game series after beating the Clippers, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And that was just a little rant I wanted to go on. Mm-hmm. Um, and beyond that, I don't think there's much more I have to say about the NBA. One thing I did want to bring up, uh, I do like how basketball has handled like the fans like they i think it's on zoom or something i don't know specifically how they're doing it but they have like in the side walls and like all the side walls in whatever stadium they're playing in is like filled with different fans on i guess some zoom interface that is connected to it and that's been the best way that any well baseball doesn't even have fans and things like that but i really like how they're doing that and Besides NBA, well, actually, this is something we can talk about, too. NBA probably made the smartest decision with going in the bubble. And previous to that, I thought that I really liked how baseball was playing the situation with having the teams in their own cities, which I was really excited to see the Mets play in City Field and not have to play in some place in Arizona. But, I mean, it's created all these outbreaks and basketball pro pick the best way to go about it and something that the NFL should think about before going into the season and allowing their play, teams to play in their own stadiums. But that's really – do you have anything you want to say about that? I mean, I definitely agree with that in terms of – obviously the NBA has done it the best. They've kind of created this bubble, you know, barring Lou Williams almost ruining it. Right. Um, you know, they've created this coronavirus-free bubble, you know, for the most part, and mm-hmm. it's been very effective. Um, and it seems like they're the only league that's not in jeopardy. I would hope the NFL would take a look at that. You know, I think it'd be a little harder for the NFL to, pit, to right. pull it off because they have so many players. Um, when you think about even baseball, it's a little bit difficult because they have thirty something players and to fit all those play, you know, per team. Right. I think it's thirty five per team. Fit all those players into one one place is kind of hard. Where in the NBA, you have about like twenty players per team. You know that adds up after you multiply it by thirty, thirty two, and how many play, uh, teams are in the league. So that you know, it's it's a ton of ton of players right there. You know, almost two thousand players mm-hmm. in the NFL. So it'd be a lot of players to pack into one place. Uh, I'm not sure how they would do it. Also, you remember the NBA. Not only do they have less players, they also have only 22 teams there. Right. So it's a lot less space they need. You know, maybe the maybe the NFL should look into a place like Arizona room because maybe Orlando's not big enough to hit all those people. Uh, but definitely something that the NFL should take a look at because obviously the NBA is doing it right in terms of they've created this coronavirus-free bubble. Uh, it's been very effective. There hasn't been any major outbreaks so far. Uh, 
unlike the MLB where you've had the outbreaks with the Marlins, the Cardinals, possible the Phillies. Yeah. Uh, pretty interesting stuff. I think, which we're going to go into hockey now, but how hockey's handled it is having two different hub cities, so you could do the same thing with um, football. Or, and baseball could have done that too. But I guess we'll get into hockey now, right? 100%. I, you know, again, not the hugest, uh, not a huge hockey watcher anymore, but I still do like following it. Um, so the restart is underway. Uh, so far, the qualifying games are happening. Right. Um, you know, no, nothing too major. You know, I think the Islanders won, so I was kind of happy about that. The Rangers lost, uh, but, which was upsetting, yeah. but... The Rangers, the Rangers did lose. Yeah. Um, so, so far, in terms of the qualifying rat matches, which... Um, I believe there's there's 12 teams from each conference at, uh, uh, playing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, that, and there's qualifying games because obviously there's more teams running into this tournament. Uh, the Rangers lost to the Hurricanes. The Blackhawks beat the Oilers. The Islanders beat the Panthers. The Canadians beat the Penguins. And the Flames beat the Jets. Uh, and that was yesterday's games. And today we have the Flyers and Bruins, the uh, Blues and Avalanche, Blue Jackets and the Maple Leafs, and the Wild and the Canucks. Um, so it would be a pretty interesting tournament, you know. I think these changes for, for these particular changes for sports like baseball and hockey that are kind of dying sports in America, mm-hmm. and I'm not dead sports, but you know have definitely lost their fan base over the years. These type of changes are interesting. They pack a lot more games into a shorter amount of time, um, and I think it, it'll draw some fans back, especially with nobody nobody doing anything right now. You know, coronavirus is still limiting us for the most part. Uh, you know, we're making small steps back to normal, but we're definitely not normal, mm-hmm. and people have a lot more time on their hands, so. These new changes are a little exciting. Um, so, you know, I think it should draw people back into the NHL. Uh, it should be interesting to see how that goes. All right, definitely. Um, I want to say – I forgot what I wanted to say, but, yeah. Uh, it, I'm going to start definitely watching hockey right now. Hopefully the Rangers can make it into the playoffs. This is when I usually start watching hockey right around playoff time, which might sound like I'm a crappy fan, which I will admit I'm not the biggest hockey fan. But when it's playoff time, I definitely do watch. So yeah, hundred percent. Like I, I grew up playing hockey, and hockey was my favorite sport growing up. But I used to be a diehard. I watched these. I used to watch every Islanders game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I loved hockey, and I don't know. I kind of just fell out of love for the sport after after I stopped playing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I still think it's really it's really definitely a really interesting sport. You know, it's in terms of physicality, it's up there with football in terms of how, how often the players clash. And it's it's kind of um, more like a soccer where it's nonstop pace. You know, it's pretty intense. Um, I don't know if you've ever ice skated before, but the, the strain it puts on your calves right. if you don't have strong calves is incredible. Yeah. Um, especially if you're a little heavier like me, uh, it, gets, it comes to quite difficult to skate after a while. But um, you know, it, it's definitely a really interesting sport. It's just like I guess the hype around it's kind of died down. Um, you know, it's not other people watching it. But I, I also like the sport because with hockey, no matter where you sit, I feel like it's a it's a because of how the arena is shaped mm. and how like the court is shaped, or I guess the the rink is shaped, um, like any if you go to go to a game in person, any seats like a decent seat, um, which I really enjoy. Uh, so other than that, you know, I'm pretty excited about the hockey starting. I'm going to start watching too. Yes, me too. Um, and beyond the NHL, the last segment we have is college. Um, not any major news here. I just there's like a mass of players right now. Um, you know, there's, so, there's too many to name really. Uh, nobody, nobody. There's nobody massive going into this draft that has came back so far. But there's a massive players for basketball returning to college, um, and I think it's amid the the difficult draft process that's happening. Um, you know, if they, you know, players are not sure if they're going to get drafted or not. They want to return to school if they're not going to get drafted. It's best for them to put another year on their their resume, try to get drafted. 
Um, but that being said, you know, with the draft now being in October and it being elongated, they feel like their their chance of getting drafted are less and less. I think the NBA, you know, I'm thinking this about the NBA. I think the, the way that teams are going to draft, I'd say more so in the second round of the draft, is teams are going to pick a lot of more NBA-ready guys because uh, they're not going to have as, you know, whenever the NBA season starts up for next season, we don't know. I'd, I'd imagine it's going to be like November, December. Um, you know, the NBA is going to have to slowly inch it back to where it was over the next coming years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, whenever the NBA does start, those rookies are going to have a lot less time to get into practices and get ready for the NBA. Um and get with their teams and start practicing. So I think NBA teams might be picking a little bit more, less project players and more NBA-ready players for this particular draft. Uh, to, to throw in a project player into the NBA, he's going to do terrible. I don't think that's possibly not a move that a lot of NBA teams are going to want to make uh, in terms of the second round of the draft. So a lot of players are returning to college amid this amid this uh, draft process. Uh, pretty interesting. Uh, should you know? I find it kind of fun because I, I love college basketball. Um, unlike the NBA is kind of like all talent where, you know, the, the college has a, has a huge skill gap and effort plays a big, big role into how, how teams win or lose on um, like Villanova's, you know, we don't always have five-star recruits on like a Duke or a Kentucky or a Kansas, but our players always play really hard and, and they can really, they can gel together really well. And that's why Villanova is so successful under Jay Wright. So, you know, I think, like, that dynamic right there is really interesting. So I'm excited to see some of these really talented players come back. Um, with that being said, uh, Brian, do you have any comments, questions, concerns? Nope. Okay. So I think that about wraps up our podcast. Uh, you know, a ton of news today. We're a little bit on the shorter side, about 40, 50 minutes. But um, you know, even less than that probably is more like 30. Minutes. But, yeah, 40 minutes. There you go. Uh, but a ton of news this week. Uh, it's really interesting to see co- uh, sports come back. Um, you know, I'm enjoying watching some of the sports, you know, having to watch, I haven't watched baseball that diligently in a few years and I'm watching Yankees every single night now, uh, cause they're on every single night. Um, you know, it's just fun. It's all fun stuff. I'm glad it's back. Um, hope, you know, with that being said, I hope everyone's still doing well with the coronavirus and your families are all safe and, and healthy. Um, and I think we, you know, we're getting towards the end of this, this pandemic, hopefully, I'm hearing more and more news about a vaccine rolling out this fall, which will be a good thing. Um, hopefully it'll be pretty effective and we'll be able to return back to normal at some point. Um, I'm going to be heading to college. Back to college in two weeks should be fun. Um, most of my classes are in person, which is interesting. Wow. I think a lot of people have online classes. Mine are in person. Go figure. But uh, other than that, if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to leave them at my uh, email at nicholasquarter10yahoo.com. And thank you guys for listening. I'm going to hand over to Brian. See you guys next week. Yeah, I was having fun watching sports, but now it's gotten to the point, which is so bad, 10 games into the season that I don't even want to watch Mets games. But obviously I will because I am a Mets fan and I've done this for years and years where I've dealt with the bad Mets teams. But I'll still watch the season. Um, At some point they're going to get out of this funk. And it's still exciting to have something to watch. So... I'm doing nothing better, so I'm going to continue to watch, and I am usually optimistic about the Mets, but when days after days of losing stupid games happen, it puts me in a crappy mood when I talk about the Mets. So for Mets fans out there listening to this, I still have optimism about this season, but it's going to be, they've made it much difficult, much more difficult than it has to be. But other than that, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Let us know what you thought of this. You can DM us. Check out our videos on YouTube. Just posted a Jamal Adams video. 
I think it's one of the better videos that we have up. So you can go check that out. If you have any interest in writing for us, any videos, any way you think could help, contact the Sport Universe 2019 at gmail.com. Other than that, thanks for listening.